just to be clear, President Trump never directed you to interfere in the Mueller investigation? Well, you know what, Chuck? I'm, I'm going to say something I left out of my testimony, and this is going to blow everything out of the water here. Mr. Trump actually called me and whispered Ooh, to I'm me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm being told that the Bezos picks have actually come out at this very moment. Oh, Christmas in February. <laughs> All right, let's stay on this topic for the entire show. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. <laughs> Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 44, Episode 12 of SNL with host and musical guest Halsey. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and OG Melissa monster, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. It's your support that makes the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already pitched in. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Halsey! Before we jump into the episode recap, I have just a little bit of housekeeping that I want to run through here quickly. First off, uh, some of our listeners had chimed in and had mentioned that it's very difficult to find old episodes on our website. So over the break, I added a full archive that lets people sort and search and do all sorts of fun things if they ever want to jump back and find some of our previous episodes, special episodes, off-season stuff. It's all there and now much easier to access. So if anyone is interested in looking through our back catalog, they can just go to snlpodcast.com and at the top under the episodes uh, menu option, there is now an archive. And... I also added a new article to our extra section on the website, which is the full unabridged audio of a Brooks Whelan interview that friend of the show, Andy Hoagland, also known as SNL and review on Twitter was able to tack down. He's actually been on fire lately. He's been uh, able to tack down some interviews with a lot of SNL alum and other comedy luminaries. And he's been getting articles published at a lot of pretty prestigious uh, media outlets. So I would encourage people to, track down that article on our website in the extra section and also to look up SNL and review on uh, Twitter. If you want to reach out to him and see what he's been doing lately and over the coming weeks and months, we'll be uh, putting out the audio for a few more of the interviews that he tacked down. We've got one from Michael McKeon that we're going to be putting up in the next couple of weeks. So anyways, you can check out our extra section if you're interested in any of that kind of stuff. And with that said, let's uh, switch gears here and consider a little bit of listener feedback from listener Nitsuj Rendrag, who just wanted us to basically weigh in on where we think Halsey stacks up in the pantheon of host slash musical guest sort of combo bookings that the show has done. You know, we've got the Drakes, we've got the Justin Timberlakes, we've got, I believe the Lady Gaga's and, um, Miley Cyrus among, you know, many others over the years. Do you think she held her own? Is she, uh, one of the greats for our combo hosts? I don't know if I could put her way, way, way up on the list. She was fantastic in the musical guest capacity mm-hmm. and I would say quite serviceable in the hosting department. Sure. And, you know, while she, uh, did, a relatively good job i can't say that she's as natural a fit as as your justin timberlakes and uh even like bruno mars i thought as an example was a great crossover host right but that's not to say she didn't do 
do well with uh, with the episode. I think maybe uh, I was a little warmer on her than you were. I thought that she was pretty darn natural in her sketch roles. I, I felt like she had uh, just a, a good way of carrying herself. She f- seemed confident. She seemed to be able to keep pace uh, with the other players as far as her energy level and her performance. And yeah, just way more at ease than I was expecting. So I don't know if I would put her right at the top of the heap with maybe the, the Justin Timberlakes, but I think Bruno Mars maybe is a, a good comparison. His outing was a, a solid episode and he was game, but he's a musician first and a sketch performer second. And you could definitely see that. So they, they kind of kept him couched in roles that were a good fit for him, which they do with most hosts, but you know, even more so maybe with the double billing. So, uh, I was getting a similar sense from her, but I thought that everything that they handed her, she did really, really good with. So high marks for it. Maybe uh, a couple more outings with her would help us to get a better idea of really whether she's going to be <laughs> sort of one of these long-term friends of the show. Um, but I liked what I saw. I got to say, I liked what I saw. I would welcome her back sure. as well. I'd yeah. like to see her again. Yep. I couldn't see any reason why they wouldn't want to. She seemed to uh, be having a lot of fun with it all. Um, okay. Let's get off that. Let's get into the show. Sure. Cold open on NBC news. Meet the press. Chuck Todd is joined by the world's leading journalist to discuss Jeff Bezos penis. Hey, as far as uh, cold opens go, this was a great length. Didn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went back and forth and allowed it to breathe a little bit. It was, we eased up on the Jeff Bezos bit, went over to the Wilbur Ross section, came right. back to it, kept it pretty high energy and, and held my interest for sure. 80 was great. And, uh, yeah, just love the, uh, the, uh, whole poking fun at uh, NBC <laughs> when they sometimes focus on the wrong details of a story. Right. That's, that's definitely a, a real criticism. Yeah, no, this was a pretty sharp critique of the media's fascination with salacious things, you know, the headline grabbers over maybe the, you know, more important news of the day. So they were definitely making a good point there, no doubt. Oh yeah. There's a lot of real world examples of this. Yeah. So this was one of the few cold opens that we've had that I thought really had a little bit of bite to it that really kind of had a sharp message that was well-realized, you know, uh, Kyle Mooney's character, continued to hit the idea that, you know, this isn't something that is worth talking about and the media talks about it too much. Um, so he was getting those little jabs in, in his commentary, but then you see all of the correspondence or whatever, embracing it, you know, and just being quick to pile on and want to talk more and more, uh, about the whole Jeff Bezos situation. So, uh, I really like that. I really like that as a sharp way of lampooning some of the failings of, you know, cable news and network news. Yeah. And I love that extra little twist towards the end. You know, it's, it's one level that they're all resorting to talking about, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, (laughs) phallic area. Sure. It's, it's one thing to do that. And then they're cutting off, uh, breaking news. Yes, exactly. Uh, Whitaker's just about to drop the bomb and they can't help but go back to the Bezos thing. As soon as there's an update really sharp and really drove it home with a good few beats behind it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. A surprisingly effective cold open. I think that I would consider this one maybe to be the most successful cold opening we've seen so far this year or not this year, but this season. Um, so I was very happy with how this kicked off the show actually. So very high marks. Yeah. Thumbs up. Let's get into the monologue. Halsey grew up in New Jersey. Pretty simple, quick outing. What'd you think? True. Simple, quick outing. And uh, this is the point of the show where I agree with you 
on what you said earlier in the feedback section, she was very much at ease. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a first time host, uh, hardly any nerves were showing at all. Right. She had a few shout outs from the audience that she handled well, Mm -hmm. working her timing. So for someone who doesn't normally do that kind of performance, it was quite successful, I found. Yep. I agree. She wasn't flanked by any cast members, which is a little refreshing just to let them stand out there on their own and just present themselves to the SNL audience. I felt like she did really, really good. Her energy was good. Her poise was good. I always harp on that idea of when the host walks out, do they capture the audience and kind of take command of the stage and put their best foot forward? And I felt like she ticked all the boxes. I thought this was really good, very quick, but Hey, if you don't have anything great to bring to the monologue, keep it quick. And sometimes it's a lot more satisfying than if they tried to do sort of like a grab bag of gags. Um, so yeah, this was working great. And that leads us into our first pre-tape from the producers of empire comes another installment of them trumps. Well, I can't say it worked as well as the first them trumps. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny for the same reason the first one was, you know, those beats in the editing, they work. Sure. The problem I have is that it seems a little more contrived now, now that they're trying to find more situations to insert these gags. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was still funny. So I'll give it uh, points since it still made me laugh. Okay. I thought this was pretty good. I didn't find it awkward or contrived. I think the idea of a black person being pulled over for no justifiable reason and then being dealt with a little more harshly than maybe a white person would in the same situation. I think that that's a pretty potent place to take this little pre-tape and the fact that it comes and goes as quick as it does, I think helps keep it feeling good. Even if it is pretty much beat for beat, what we saw last time, just in a different location. So yeah, if this was a longer sketch, then I feel like we shouldn't be seeing it as often as we see it, but because it's just kind of this quick little punchy in and out, I'm okay with it for what it was. I, I thought it was a win, a win for Darius drones. <laughs> okay. All right, let's keep moving. We get a live sketch. The chair of the Virginia state capital ethics committee addresses the use of blackface amongst the representatives. It was a f- funny bit of commentary. Mm-hmm. It did have a few places to go. Mm-hmm but it might've lingered a little bit too long. Sure. But that's the most glaring flaw. I found it quite enjoyable otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was amusing, not exceptional. I'm surprised that it made it to the top of the show. So maybe this just played really good in dress or something. Not sure. But for what we got, I I thought that it worked. You're probably right that it could have been trimmed back a little bit. Maybe. Um, I'm not really sure which gag I would pull out though, because what they had in it seemed to work well. It's just, Kind of once you get the idea that everybody in the room <laughs> has participated in blackface and is uh, going to have to fess up. It's not like each time someone confesses that it's funnier than the last time. So you just, I don't think you need that much of the the meat of the sketch to make it work. So yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit of editing would have helped this to have a bit more energy, but I did enjoy it. I'm going to call it a win. Just not what I would have expected to be the opener for the show. Yeah. Well said. Very good. After that, we get another pre-tape, a music video. The mood is killed when the girls of SNL receive unwanted Valentine's gifts from family, friends, and coworkers. Yeah, it's funny because just earlier today, my mother asked me uh, if my girlfriend and I wanted to come over uh, for dinner Thursday. (laughs) For a sexy Valentine's dinner with your mom? (laughs) Yeah, she's got the lights (laughs) dimmed already, I'm sure. But uh, that's just my point. You know, this is uh, a relatable uh, little piece, much Mm -hmm. in the same vein as... uh, 
peach candle, for example. Right. Yeah, it was uh, a success for that and a good use of Halsey, since she's definitely a boudoir-type pop star. Mm-hmm. It was working well. Very good. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to give it high marks, because I feel like it was a, a clever enough joke or idea. It was a good starting point for the sketch, but I don't think they got a whole lot of mileage out of it. I felt like as it was proceeding on, just the slow delivery of the lyrics and not really having a whole lot of fantastic jokes to then build on top of where they started from, I felt like it, it ran thin uh, a little quick, but amusing. Good production the over the top costumes of everyone, especially Kate, you know, with her, her frizzed out hair, <laughs> having to, uh, figure out if her son's card is truly innocent or not. Like it, it did have moments and there was a lot working as far as the production, the editing is concerned. So there was a lot to like, I just felt like the song itself didn't maybe allow it to have more fun sort of lyrically. So it just kind of plotted along a little bit that way. Yeah. It did feel like a slightly Kind of lazy writing in parts. Yeah. I don't know if I would say lazy writing so much as when they come up with an idea like this, they have to just kind of take the lyrical foundation of the song and do what they can with it to build the jokes into it. And just some songs are more successful than others. And you never kind of know when you come up with the idea exactly what the music's going to be and just how freeing that'll be for, for you creatively. And uh, I, I think with their songs, it's always kind of 50, 50, some of them, they just sort of strike on gold and don't even realize that for whatever reason, the song itself helps add to the funny. Yeah. But other times the song is a little bit of a hindrance. And in this case, I feel like the song was a bit of a hindrance, but the initial joke was funny enough that it was still a worthwhile outing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It definitely wasn't one of the best. We'll say that. Definitely not one for the books, but amusing enough. Let's keep going. We get another live sketch. An architect is flummoxed by a string of worrisome phone calls from his parents. Got to really hand it to uh, Beck. I think Beck, was the the fulcrum to this whole thing working. Mm-hmm. You know, you really got to snap out those cliffhanger lines and the way he slams down that phone, <laughs> that's just really good jarring comedy beats sure. going on there. And uh, I felt that made the sketch. Yep. It's interesting that you, you bring up Beck because I thought the same thing. I thought that the performance had to be very brisk in order for Mikey Day to not have an opportunity to... Uh, further the call, you know, before they hang it up and they just kind of have to dominate their side of the conversation for it to be funny. Exactly. I did like what Beck was doing, but what I took note of was that Halsey also did really good and she gets to cap the sketch by basically having that same kind of delivery with the final phone call. And I felt like she was keeping pace with Beck. I I thought that what she was bringing felt very much just like a seasoned player on the show. And uh, so this was kind of the first time in the evening where I thought, oh, look at that. She's not just you know, a talented singer. There's a reason why this was inspired booking. They, they really do have someone that is able to perform. So, uh, I, I really enjoyed the sketch for a couple of reasons, just because it was surprising to see how well she was doing at this point in the show. And also just, you know, because it's a fun, goofy little sketch. I agree. She did do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact we caught her practicing with those, uh, casted hands before we were supposed sure, to Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, well, um, that happens. That happens. <laughs> Nothing against her. I didn't know if that was a gaffe or if that was just maybe something that they didn't have a lot of time to think through, you know, like about really when to reveal them. So it may have just been an oversight with the staging of the scene where maybe they didn't know when it made more sense for them to to show up on screen. Okay. It just looked like it was supposed to come out the first time. 
when it was brought up yeah. verbally, but we can't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not worth dwelling on. It didn't, it didn't drag down the sketch for me. So it, it really wasn't even a factor as to whether I consider this one successful. I, I think at the end of this one, I was grinning. So, Hey, you were just being so positive. I had to come in and be <laughs> sure. cynical somehow. No, fair enough. <laughs> uh, let's keep moving. After that, we get another pre-tape. It's a Charlie's Angels-esque roll call for the women of Congress. Yeah, very, uh, very much Charlie's Angels down to uh, Trump on the phone as <laughs> Charlie himself. <laughs> yeah, the little voice box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was mostly carried out by mimicking that style. Mm-hmm. Uh, the zoom-ins, the green screen. Right. And uh, yeah, all those action poses were uh, spot on. And I loved how they kind of played against the expectation there when uh, they all basically just ganged up on the speakerphone. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, it uh, definitely was not the expected turn. Right. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun little pre-tape. Didn't last too long and made a good impact. Yeah. I love that they seem to have a lot of fun ideas this week that it was obvious to them early on that they should be short pieces because they produced a lot. We had a lot of material in this show and it seems like a lot of it was very smartly crafted to just get in and get out, you know, as soon as the joke is established and not drive it into the ground. And this is another good example of that. Them Trumps is also a good example of that. And I just think some of the sketches later in the evening too had very effective outs and didn't feel like they were overstaying their welcome. So, uh, this again is just boding very well for the show. And I agree with you. I thought this was a lot of fun and, uh, it was quick and Hey, that's a win for me. Hey, Hey, musical performances. Halsey performs without me. And then for her second number, she paints a picture and also sings East side. Yes. Secondarily, (laughs) she sings East side, but, uh, yeah, I want to talk about East side first. Okay. I thought that was, Pretty impressive. Now I'm assuming she wasn't lip syncing, but that that must be very difficult to you know to be hunched over to paint your painting. You're concentrating on not stepping on the paint you've already made on the floor, and uh, you know singing your song, remembering your words, and coming in when you're supposed to. There's a lot of juggling going on there. That's so impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there was a bit of tracing out on the sheet to help her with the painting and stuff. Yeah. So. She wasn't totally out on a limb. It was within her control and it was just such a unique way of, of taking up that visual time during a musical performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as for the first one without me, that was uh, quite provocative as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. These musical performances were great and particularly East side. How fun was that to watch? You don't even necessarily realize what she's going to be doing as the lights come up. You like, okay, so some, some paint or whatever. Is that just part of the staging and the look of her in overalls or whatever? But no, uh, girl can paint and not just like as a gimmick, as part of the performance of the song. Um, I gotta say just her brushstrokes, everything she was doing was very competent. And I was surprised that she could do that. And like you said, maintain the timing of the song and breath control and all, all the performance stuff that she had to be on top of just with the song. It's amazing that she could paint something that well in time and in position, you know, on that big piece of cardboard or whatever, uh, just a lot of technical merit to what she was doing there. And I thought it was a hoot. I I fell in love with her with these performances. I, I think she's great. I, I haven't been kind of that engaged with a, a musical performer on SNL. I can't even remember when. So yeah, this, this definitely hit. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And you get a kind of bit of a level of suspense 
<laughs> when you feel like the song's about to end. Yeah, is she going to pull it off? Or <laughs> Yeah, you're on the edge of your seat. And that's just like what SNL is all about, you know? Yeah, that's the cool thing. When you look at her as she's performing Eastside, she's not sweating it. She doesn't seem anxious or like she's losing any control over the performance. She just seems to be like in the zone and in her element and just totally comfortable yeah. with the space and what she's doing there. And that, that's just a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, Halsey, hi marks at this point. I'm just, I'm having a blast with the show. Absolutely. Hey gang, I want to jump out of the cast for just a moment to mention that our show is made possible solely by the support of listeners like you. And our hope is to get 100 of our most awesome listeners to come on board as patrons by the end of season 44. If you happen to be one of said awesome listeners, then please head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash SNL podcast and show us some love. And don't forget, our patrons get an exclusive members-only podcast feed that provides early access to extended cuts of each new episode that contain upwards of 20 minutes of additional discussion. If you like our show, and if you'd like to hear more of it, and if you want us to stick around for Season 45, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast and help us out. And before we jump back into the cast, I want to give a shout out to Joshua Connolly from Belleville, Illinois, who is one of our fabulous featured player patrons. Joshua, thank you so much for your support. And now... Back to the show. All right, let's talk weekend update. For their lead-in, Jost and Che discussed the Virginia governor's blackface scandal. What did you think about this week's opening salvo? There is one thing that was working against this, and uh, it's the fact that the show had already made some passes at a lot of the material being covered here in this weekend update. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we got to it, the show's already discussed the phallic nature of bald heads. Sure. And we've talked about the blackface scandal in a, in a sketch. So it's a bit of a retread uh, listening to this material and some of it's fresh. Some of it feels a little bit uh, redundant, but without that working against it, otherwise there was some stuff working and Che and, and Jost were on their a game as they often are. So I can give them points in those areas. Sure. Yep. This was another solid outing. I think that criticism could be made of a lot of shows, uh, just because the cold opens are now pretty much exclusively the politics and review for the week kind of setups that obviously does undercut weekend update a little bit. So that that's fair, but if I'm laughing, <laughs> then I got to count as a win. And there was a, a lot here that was working. I like that they took the blackface thing and they made that into a runner. So a lot of the punchlines throughout weekend update, even, you know, after some of the, the desk features, they kept getting back to the idea that, you know, the governor is just, horrible <laughs> and he's, you know the moon emoji or whatever as as they go through they kept calling that back and i thought that was a lot of fun yeah um yeah i thought they were doing perfectly good work tonight uh we haven't had a bad performance from jost and che this season and i think that this is more than keeping pace so yeah i was good on it absolutely all right let's take a look at our first feature we get melissa via senor not as lady gaga with her famous grammy preview yeah coming from uh the og melissa monster <laughs> sure gotta say this was a a great bit Mm -hmm. and uh i loved so much about it it could have easily went that easy path they could have easily said ladies and gentlemen lady gaga melissa comes out playing lady gaga but they added that extra element to it and it was great because they made the most of it the fact that she came out and tried to act spontaneous like she only heard the song Mm -hmm. that morning right even though she's fitted for a wig and a costume for this and also has Kyle ready to go, you know? Yeah. So that 
not adding up was really funny. And uh, yeah, just the obvious sneakiness of it, of her way of <laughs> snaking in her uh, impression. Right. It's a fun little story told in a very, you know, quick succession. Yep. Uh, as for the impression, obviously, this is what she does. And it made me realize this is the best way to showcase one of Melissa's impressions. Mm-hmm. It should be more long form than the the family feuds and the right. the movie audition clips because it's a full embodiment. It's it's not just voice, but it's facial expressions and mannerisms. Yep. And you do really need a few minutes of Melissa doing it to appreciate all that she has put into her yep. impression. That's why this is so fabulous to me. And uh, I'm going to be going back to this one for, uh, for a pick-me-up when I need it. It's a, a memorable one for sure. Yep. This was excellent work, not just from Melissa and she did excellent, you know, even just in singing it over, uh, on her Instagram account for the last couple of weeks, there have been little snippets in her story of her actually practicing this. And now we know why. Um, so she was really putting everything she had into it. I respect that. But like you mentioned, uh, the writing here was just fabulous. It was the perfect way to figure out how to build something around Melissa that showcases her unique talents. And, uh, it was, it was great. And she delivered it flawlessly. Her back and forth with Jost was good. Uh, everything about this worked really, really well. And I just, I have to applaud that they've figured out so many fun ways so far this season to bring Melissa kind of into the fray, even at the update desk, which is not somewhere that I was expecting to see her. And, uh, we're getting a lot of good stuff out of her and that's, that's fantastic. Cause you know, she's a few years into her run at the show and we never knew if she was ever going to get these, uh, standout moments and now she's getting a few and that's, that's a good thing. And this one is especially standout. Yes. I feel like SNL is saying, Melissa, we acknowledge that <laughs> you are loved and you have a, a decent following and you know, People are going to get this. Yeah. She's having a bit of a moment right now. So it is a good time to keep her front and center. And she had a a pretty good showing across the board tonight. Yeah. Let's take a look at our second feature, Mikey and Heidi as Instagram couple, Nico Slobkin and Brie Bacardi with their suggestions for romantic Valentine's date ideas. Oh boy. (laughs) This one was a little difficult to watch at times. I mean, (laughs) they definitely save it and they kind of dangle the uh, intensity there and, and snap it back. Well, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of felt satisfied towards the end, but yeah. I was definitely left hanging there. And that's what was great about it. I felt just as involved as Michael Che felt, which was mm-hmm. not much. <laughs> he was kind of just leave me out of this. <laughs> yeah. He was there to witness a train wreck. And <laughs> I just love the way he jumped in with uh, Nico Brie, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as soon as he could after that uh, outburst. Yeah. Uh, I've recognized that type of Instagram account. That's definitely a thing. So thumbs up for, for the real life observation and more thumbs up for the execution. Yeah. Uh, high marks to Heidi. Mikey did fine too, but in these kind of weekend update pieces, my eyes go right to Heidi and I'm watching everything she's doing with her face. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Just, quick, completely appropriate facial responses that just play up the scene and just make it that much more engrossing. The the fact that she's got her whole, you know, face and body in the performance. Um, just really enjoyed that. It was just another obvious indication of where Heidi's strengths lie. And, uh, like you, there was some truth on display here. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun to take an Instagram account where they have 
all the photography equipment and lighting that they could hope for to be able to stage these picturesque idyllic peacons on their relationship. But you know, what are these train wreck people actually like, you know, when they're not behind the camera, you know, when they yeah. actually have to interact with other human beings. Uh, I think that's a lot of fun because you do get a sense that some YouTubers or Instagram people, those, those influencers, those people that make a living of trying to just craft a picturesque version of their life. Um, you know, they got the same warts and shortcomings that we all have. So it's nice to see that on display and just see how, uh, you know, these people maybe aren't the ideal relationship that so many people would follow. Uh, so yeah, two really nice weekend update features in a row. Uh, let's see if we can keep it going with Alex Moffat as guy who bought a boat. This time he is talking about respectful dating tips, respectful who better to call, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, (laughs) this was Fun as always. I do love the guy who bought a boat concept and mm-hmm. I love Alex Moffat's performance. It's just great because he's definitely misusing the whole uh, respect women movement, <laughs> uh, weaponizing it and using sure. it to his own <laughs> yes. advantage. It's something we would expect of guy who bought a boat. And I think that's what's working with this. Yes. It's <laughs> a, a whole nother level to his uh, douchebaggery. Yes. Yeah, we know him well enough that it's just like, oh, of course he would, <laughs> which makes it an easier pill to swallow. And it means you can go even, even more raunchy and even right. further <laughs> in the gutter with him. Yep. Uh, we see him about once a year and that's just about right. Cause, uh, they're able to keep the quality high. There's enough fresh, stupid things for him to say that <laughs> it doesn't feel like a, a retread of the last outing as much. Um, so this was really good. The only problem that I had with it is that it was coming off of two really spectacular <laughs> update pieces, especially Melissa Villasenor. So it just kind of pales in comparison because this is familiar territory and it's a character that we kind of understand. And it's not like, you know, they did something super remarkable with it to, to make it one for the book. So this was just, yeah, serviceable, good, nothing wrong with it, but not anywhere near the same league of, of what we were seeing earlier. So, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, two new one familiar, that's a good ratio. Right. If we're going to have three guests, it's just that sometimes the recurring update features are the ones that can send off update on a bang, like Willie or big poppy. Like if you go out on one of them, the audience is at their height with weekend update with those ones. Right. Whereas this felt like, oh, you know what? The show's coming up short, so we don't have to cut anything from update. But I think on any other week, they would have said, hey, we, we already got some good laughs with these first two. We don't, we don't need another outing with Boat Guy. We can save all that and repurpose it for another week. So I think it was just purely a matter of them not having to trim the show down too much that uh, this was how it went out rather than on one of the other features that could have really you know been a spectacular kind of whiz-bang ending for it. Yes, but I think wall to wall for the whole weekend update, we enjoyed it. John's penis is small. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was very dense. It was a very satisfying outing of update. So yeah, I, I don't want to come down on it. It just was surprising that we got three features and it was the first one that was like the one that brought the house down. So enough on that. Let's take a look at the back half of the show. We get a live sketch, a gaggle of sorority pledges, annoy the patrons of a karaoke bar. I can't say I know very much about the sorority culture. I was never allowed to their <laughs> meetings. Sure. I really hope this is a gross exaggeration because that doesn't sound like a very fun night for anyone who's not in on it. Yeah, no, this is not a gross exaggeration at all. Well, there's a lot of victims created in uh, in a pledge for sororities, it seems. This was actually surprisingly tame. Like, aside from the absurdity of the parrot, 
I don't think any of this is beyond what you might expect in one of these like sorority pub crawl dare fests, which I've seen a few go down. And yeah, no, this isn't that extreme at all. I'm actually surprised that they didn't go bigger with it. Yeah. But man, that burger looked good. And, and that was, uh, that was painful to watch. Wasted food. That's a weak spot for me. Okay. So if we were going to sum up the sketch. I'd sum it up as uh, enjoyably hair pulling. Okay. Yeah. It's, you want to rip your own hair out watching it. Sure. And you kind of feel bad for everyone, but you also kind of want to root for them. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's still our SNL gals that we, we love Melissa. We love Cecily. Yeah. And Halsey's great too. So, you know, we, we still have fun with it in that sense. <laughs> All right. That's a hot take. <laughs> uh, yep. This was fun. Nothing super brilliant about the writing, like good observation. And then they found some fun gags to go along with it. So, you know, it was all there and they even had a, a reasonable out, you know, like all of their efforts were for naught because the, uh, the pledge mother or whatever wasn't even watching. So they have to go and do it all again. Like, okay, great. That's a, a simple way to exit that. That works. Keeps it moving quickly, which I think is something we saw from a lot of sketches tonight. So I don't think that this was a plus material, but I think that this was fun enough material to keep in the show. And I had fun with some moments too, particularly the parrot that did not want to participate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I got to say they were all, uh, doing justice to that song. So there was a fair bit to take away from this. Actually. Song was great. Bird sucks. <laughs> okay. Moving on. We get a PSA, the black players of SNL and Beck and Kyle pay homage to trailblazing black performers. I love this little moment of self-awareness that SNL had with this because it very much felt like an, a sincere uh, somber moment that is not unheard of from SNL. We've had these moments before. Right. It was great to kind of use that kind of feel and then turn it into a joke. Right. And that was a very delicate dance to do. You know, you could potentially offend people when you're <laughs> trying to tackle something like this. Sure. But they, they handled it well. The fact that Kyle and Beck come out, and they've done their homework. They say nothing but uh, great things about the black community. And, you know, they really did make a sincere effort. And you, you know that all of this comes from a good place. Right. And they conveyed that well and made it work for that reason. So that's why I love this. Because uh, they were just very self-aware mm -hmm. and uh, treated it respectfully. Yeah. This was very sweet. If you're going to have some sort of serious message that you want to get across on a comedy show, figure out how to wrap it in a good joke. It's hard to do when they do it. Well, I, I got to take notice. This was well done. The earnest oblivious stupidity of Beck and Kyle worked perfect in that scenario. So yeah, this was fun. And because everything, like you said, that Beck and Kyle were saying was doing justice to what the PSA was trying to say. It never feels like someone trampled a message that should have been heard, but then ultimately wasn't for the sake of the joke. Everything fed into the actual serious message. Yeah. It was just very elegant and worked very well. And I thought it was good for sure. After that, we get a live sketch. At dinner with his family, a father reveals that he's gone viral as a gay cam fans only performer. Hey, these performers are out there. Sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are family men and, uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's a way to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. It's a way to pay the bills. Everyone needs a side hustle. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you relate to both sides, the kid's reaction and the wife's reaction. Cause you know, maybe that's too much of their dad out there for the kids, but, uh, once Leslie did the math, you know, she was on board. Sure. So I loved how the teams were divided almost immediately. Yeah. 
And uh, I really do hope that Keenan gets his uh, his own tell. Sure. His show tell. <laughs> He's, earned it. It. He's earned it. He's, He's earned, earned it. He's earned it. He's earned it. Uh, yeah, this was good. Yeah, for this late in the show, this was pretty fun. And Halsey did good in it. She kept pace with everyone else. That was something that I took note of. I, I felt like she didn't stick out in any way in this sketch. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was awkward. It was an enjoyable, quick little sketch that was really competently delivered by everyone involved. So that works. That's it. After that, our 10 to 1 sketch on the set of the CW's Riverdale, an overzealous corpse actor derails the production. <laughs> oh, this was premium 10 to 1 material. Mm-hmm. Perfect real estate for the idea <laughs> and uh, just well crafted and executed. Uh, it's kind of alarming to see just how tattooed Pete is now. It's almost getting in the way. Sure. But boy, did he ever, you know, have a character realized for this. <laughs> and uh, it's surprisingly well realized for a guy that we know is just, you know, the in house. The stand-up guy. The stand-up guy. The yeah. guy who just comes out and says, hi, I'm Pete. This is what's funny today. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, surprisingly well-realized character. Yeah. And uh, boy, was it ever fun. Yep. I uh, I was impressed with what Pete was doing here. He found his thespian character. You know, he, he <laughs> yes. found the, the guy who takes his craft so seriously. And uh, yeah, when he hit it perfectly, you know, the f- first time he speaks and you you get you know, exactly the, the pretentiousness of this guy. Uh, I was surprised to see that coming out of Pete's face. So uh, Pete, yeah, good on you, man. You've been getting a, a couple back half leading roles, like the reindeer thing that he did was really solid work from him. The, the good morning Guma character, really, really solid work. So he's getting some real solid characters through lately and uh, happy to see it. Yeah. Yep. So here we are at our 10 to one. And for my money, we made it through an entire show without me feeling like there was one legitimate loss. Some middling stuff as any show has, you know, it's not all going to be top flight, but this is the first episode in a long time that I personally felt like I got all the way to the end without feeling like, oh, this is another example of SNL not on their game or some, you know, weakness that's just shining through the whole show. I was really, really happy. (laughs) <laughs> with where I was at as the, uh, the good night started to roll. So, uh, I don't know if you feel similarly, but why don't we get into our ratings and reviews and, uh, see where we land. Everything you just said bodes well for the reviews. <laughs> so, uh, let's get at it. <laughs> All right. Moment of the night. Boy, I got to give it to, uh, Pete's compromise in the 10 to one sketch. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. No more sounds, but that left the, uh, the flopping <laughs> around on the, uh, the gurney still, uh, still fair game. So that was just so over the top. And I'd be surprised if Pete didn't hurt himself doing <laughs> that, but it was just so there was so much commitment to it and, uh, so much energy behind it that it was hard not to love. Yeah. He literally threw himself into that role. There was serious commitment there across the board and it was a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, I, I respect it, but. I got to applaud Melissa via senor at the update desk. I thought that was an, an excellently crafted piece that you can only get from Melissa. She's the only one that has the mixture of talents and skills and you know, just the background with that character already, you know, pretty firmly uh, in her wheelhouse for that piece to come together as well as it did. So specifically kind of the soaring moment right in the middle where 
she starts singing to Jost and then he has a little bit of back and forth with her where he's not on board with what she's intimating with the first lyric, but then the second lyric, he's like, yeah, just kind of hard or whatever. So there was just a really, really satisfying moment in the middle of that piece where you could tell that everything was firing. Yeah. Good pick. Beautiful. Best sketch. I'll tell you what my sketch is. It's uh, it's the phone call from the parents. <laughs> okay. The interrupted business meeting. Yeah. That was just a great showcase of the host, first of all, but also utilizing the cast well and executing a pretty good idea, I thought. Mm-hmm. Very good. I'm going to commit heresy and give it to the cold open. Nice. I think it's really rare to see a cold open that figures out how to use its setting effectively, right? We've got journalists. So this is a great time to critique the news media. You get the right news story in the week for them to play up the Jeff Bezos stuff. And then you move quickly through that and get a couple really, really fun, bizarre moments with your senior cast in prosthetics there at the end, you know, some of the tried and true political caricatures that the show has been developing. So this just felt like it moved quick. It covered a lot of ground and all the ground that it covered was sufficiently funny, which isn't always the case. Sometimes it's just like obligatory touching on certain topics without a really solid joke or premise. And uh, that was not what we saw. So when they get it right, when they get that, you know, that, that balancing act of how to weave in current events and politics and still find some funny in it, when they pull it off, I'll applaud it. It's my best sketch. There you go. MVP. I'm giving it to Kyle. Okay. Yeah. Good showing for him. Kyle had a few good bits and, you know, I do love when he pops up here and there. Uh, he was great in the cold open. Mm-hmm. You just gave it your best sketch. And I think uh, him being the anchor really held it together. It was really nice to fade in on Kyle. It's so rare that we see that. Yes. And to get a solo live from New York's and uh, good for him. So for that and for his uh, Black History Month (laughs) crashing of the party was just so well done. Mm -hmm. Just hit the the celebrity reading cue cards (laughs) for a cause type of uh, type of delivery. Yeah. That was just really perfect. Yep. It was a good week for Kyle. I'm going with Halsey. I think. You know, she really, really kept pace. She had some fun character stuff in there too, that you don't always get from a first time host where they just really need to just sort of, you know, not be worried about their voice so much, just getting through the lines. Um, she was comfortable enough that she could build a little bit of character. Uh, and even in her monologue, you know, she threw in the, the thick Jersey accent and then played up the, the mom with nice things to say, but wouldn't let you anywhere near her son. Like she's got a knack for character and there's you know, probably a different version of reality where if she didn't have much of a singing voice, she could have made a go of it on SNL. So I just, I really think that, uh, she brought her all to it. And I think that she got a a lot of home runs in what she was doing. So yeah, I was just so unexpectedly impressed by what she brought that I'll give it to her. I won't say it's undeserved. Okay. So the big question on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? I want to give it a great. Yeah. This is an episode I didn't find had any really glaring flaws. Mm -hmm. A few hiccups here and there that I really didn't mind overall. Right. Uh, This was just top quality stuff. Yeah. uh, Wall to wall. And uh, it's not really that hard of a decision to say it's uh, a great or more. Yeah. I'm right there with you, but I am going to veer on the side of classic with this one. Nice. Like you said, it was solid end to end. 
not every sketch soared, but nothing came even close to bottoming out, which is great. <laughs> you know, from, from where we've been at with some of our recent episodes of SNL to see something this competent and just fun, you know, just very easy to embrace, accessible, fun, goofy material. That's fantastic right in of itself. But you get a first time host that impresses who does a really unique musical performance. You get a show with absolutely no cameos other than a phone call from Alec Baldwin. Sure. And where a lot of the highlights of the show are from players that don't always get the big moments. We had a lot of stuff from featured players. We had a lot of stuff from Melissa Villasenor. Uh, we had a lot of stuff from Kyle Mooney who often gets just relegated to whatever pre-tape, you know, they're working on. So there was just a lot that I think an SNL fan can latch onto with this and say, this one felt good. And, uh, you know, that's transcendent enough for me to consider it a classic. Okay. You're right. It's an underdog show. Yeah. This made, uh, Beck look like second dummy. Sure. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really refreshing. And I know that you're the guy who has to clean up the confetti whenever we do this. So I sure. do want to change it to a classic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm going to allow it. In the past, when you come back the next week and say, oh, I was too hard on that episode. I think I want to change my rating. I, I tell you where you can stuff it. But you know what? We haven't signed off. We haven't said that's a cast. So your opinions are yours. If you want to call an audible here, I will accept it. And I will cue the music. Sound the bell. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So uh, do we have any brilliant thoughts on Halsey before we sign off here that we want to drive home? Or do you think we've said enough? Big picture stuff. She's great. Talented. Mm -hmm. She's an asset to the show. I'd be surprised if we don't see her again. Yep. Uh, she is entirely likable. She's cute to boot. She can sing like nobody's business. She can paint. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, she's not too shabby at sketch comedy. So, uh, uh, I like Halsey. Uh, I think we should see her again. I hope we do. Yes, I'm sure we will. Very good. And that's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Aaron and Trader, and Kaylin Pope. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Don Cheadle and musical guest Gary Clark Jr. Until then, this has been episode number 69 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. I want to thank everyone at SNL and this entire cast for making this the best week of my life. This is great, but I don't know that we can afford the rights to perform shallow on the show. I'm sorry. Hey. 
Tell me something, boy Aren't you tired of trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? No, I don't Any keeping it so hardcore? Sometimes, yeah <laughs> I'm supposed to tell a joke after that? <laughs>